Welcome to Lesbians Who Write with Claire Lydon and T.B. Markinson. Conversations about writing and lesbian fiction. Join us as we draw back the curtain on the writer's life. Hello and welcome to episode 162 of Lesbians Who Write. This week's topic is a surprise until we get there. So joining me, Claire Lydon, is my co-host, the surprise-ready T.B. Markinson. Hello, T.B. How are you today? I don't know if I'm actually ready for the surprise. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not good when you put me on the spot, but we'll see how it goes. Anywho, how am I doing today? Um, I'm a bit more relaxed than the last time we talked, which I can't remember. When was the last time we talked? It was a little while ago because it was uh, we, we recorded early because you were going away. So you've had a holiday in between. Well, a kind of busman's holiday, right? So <laughs> you went away, you changed up your environment, did some writing. So you should be more relaxed. You seem more relaxed. We've got the video back at the moment because last time we were having issues with the video. So I can see TB. She's so relaxed. She's almost reclined. Oh, yeah, that's me. Super relaxed. Everyone associates me with the word relaxation. <laughs> um, so, yeah, speaking of my week away, um, I spent a week at a lake house in Maine. The lake was very high up in Maine, so I was about really close. I was almost in Canada. The temperatures were a bit cooler, which was nice because the week I was gone, it was really hot back home. So poor Gray had to manage um, the hot temps, which she's not bad at all. Then I left her alone in really hot temperatures. <laughs> no, but um, Rand and I went up to the lake house and we had a writing retreat where we worked on Devil's Advocate, which is our latest co-write. Um, it was a lovely time. And like I said, we missed most of the oppressive heat in Massachusetts. We did have one really hot day at the lake house where um, it got into the 90s. But like when you factored in the humidity, it was like 104. And let me tell you, it felt like it. It was hot. But there was a couple days when I was up there that uh, it was cool in the mornings and evenings. I had to put a hoodie on. Um, I had a hat on. Like it was nice. It felt like fall. It was wonderful. So I'm thinking I need to move to Maine. I hate hot weather. I need to move up to almost Canada. You yeah. think Canada will just, and I thought maybe, you know, if things go really south in the US, it would be a really quick escape route. That is true. Uh, I've got friends who live in Portland, Maine, and uh, but they get those really, really harsh winters as well, and the really, really harsh storms. So there is that as well. Yes, I would have to factor that into <laughs> do I want a nice, clean escape to Canada when things go shittier? <laughs> I gotta. I'm thinking. I gotta. I gotta start putting the pros and cons down. Yeah. But um. But we were in a really remote area in uh, Massachusetts where we had to bring in our groceries. <laughs> we couldn't drink the water. We had to bring in like water because our our water actually came from the lake. When it said it was on lake water, I was like, okay, that's weird. Literally, what it was was like a hose coming up from the lake that would come into the place so we could shower and stuff. But um, no, we we got like distilled jugs of water or stuff like that. So that was a bit different. And then we had to do all our own cooking. That meant uh, Miranda had to do the cooking because no one, no one should ever trust me to do the cooking. I was allowed to heat up leftovers. <laughs> and I did a lot of dishes. I'm always willing to do dishes, especially if someone's making a nice meal. On the way there, we stopped in Bangor, Maine. Have you ever heard of Bangor, Maine? I haven't, no. That's where Stephen King lived. Ah. 
And so we stopped by his house because his house is like a tourist, naturally. And um, it was kind of weird. We like were in this house and I was like taking photos of like his gate and his house and everything. But um, I think he kind of wants it, the attention, because his gate... Now, I know it's Stephen King, so it probably could have been a lot weirder, but it, but it was kind of like a specially made gate because it had, like, bats, like iron bats, and it had, like, spiders and spider webs and everything, so it was kind of fun. He's definitely leaning into his uh, horror background, mm. which sells as a brand. Mm. Yeah. He's, he's, he's definitely... He knows how to brand shit. He branded his house. They... <laughs> Maybe that's what we should do. We should brand our house with les- le- sapphic les- stroke lesbian stroke queer nurse. And... We have, like, on us. <laughs> I don't know what we do. Maybe yeah. difficult to do, isn't it? Yeah, bit more, bit more easy to do with with some horror. But uh, well done him for yeah. doing the branding. Um, but you know, is he? He's one of those writers who crosses over to people like me who, who would never read one of his books, but I've read his uh, on-writing book, and that was really good. So I know he does write good books, but they'd all be far too scary for me. Well, I've read a few of his books. Um, I, I, I've delved into some of his books, and yes, they are scary, but um, I enjoy his writing, and it's they're about small-town New England, which is a part of the country I really enjoy. So... So yeah, so on the way there we stopped at Bangor to see Stephen King's house and then on the way back we took a different route and we stopped in Bar Harbor which is on Mount Desert Island which is one of the islands of Maine. And that island, I have to admit, I've never been. It's just one of those islands wherever you drive it's like picture postcard worthy. Like every view is just so beautiful. So Maine, I have to say, is a lovely state and now I'm eyeing it up. I'm still weighing, do I want to live on Maine or the Isle of Wight? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if might have to come because it's easier for me to move to Maine. Yes, probably easier for you to move, move to Maine. But you know, Isle of Wight, it is set in the fifties, <laughs> and everyone goes to bed I, by nine. I know, and that's that's my ideal. That's where I'm at with like, if I want to go to bed at eight point five and not be made fun of. <laughs> Anywho, so um, while in Maine, I didn't do a lot of work on iHeart Sapphic. We took a couple of weeks off. And I'm happy to report that the numbness I was experiencing in two of my fingers on my left hand is gone. Hooray! The whole, the whole pride launch that um, had me working very long hours. I think I needed the time off in New Mexico for GCLS when I wasn't on my laptop. And then the time in Maine where I was on the laptop but not doing, I was doing more writing stuff and not all the website stuff. I think the combination of those two, back to back almost, helped save my fingers. Because I was getting a little nervous. I won't lie. I was getting nervous that I was, I had permanent damage because it just kept going on. Mm. And I was wondering how I was going to cope with not being able to type. Yes. Because what is vital? It's vital to my job, typing. So I was starting to get a little nervous that I had caused some serious damage that I would have to take a significant amount of time away from the laptop to deal with. Maybe just taking more time off in the summer helped. Anyways, so that is good. Numbness is gone. I have full use of my fingers and typing. I have somehow got involved in, um, I don't know if you've been following my newsletter lately, but I've gotten involved in a great titty war. Okay. No, I have, I have not. I do read your newsletters, but I haven't. <laughs> Clearly, I've missed this bit. You missed the tit war? Yeah, I did, yeah. Yes. 
So um, M. Stevens, who recently did a uh, released a co-write with Miranda, their co-write's getting some, you know, readers are liking it, and so I was like, you know, but does M. Stevens have a nice tit shirt? I don't know if you remember my nice tit shirt that I got I in the first year of the pandemic because I accidentally ordered three of them. And then um, M. has risen to the challenge and has now got her own nice tit shirt. So we're having a great tit war. Okay. So He's if got... readers are not following my newsletter or M's, you're missing out on a lot of tits. Yes. Just saying. Titastic. Who's got the best yes, tits? Yes, which again leads us back to what kind of gate we would have outside our compound. <laughs> Indeed. We could put tits of the bird variety on it and then see if people get it. That is what is going on over here. I'm trying to decide if I need to move to Maine, trying to get back into a routine, and I'm involved in a great tip war. How about you? Well, over here in uh, London Tan, um, I am, I've got a new lease of writing life, TB. That's what I've got. So this week I've been um, finalising the cover for my Christmas book, which is called The Christmas Catch. My first two readers have read it and they've, they love it. Um, but the weird thing is, I'm so ahead of the game with this one, I'm a bit stumped. Do you know what I mean? I need to make a plan of what I'm going to do because... People keep asking me how my new book's going, and I keep think keep thinking that they're meaning the one I'm writing now, but uh, that they don't. They mean the next one that's going to be released. But I keep forgetting that I've got one about to be released. <laughs> so, because you know, uh, I, the the edit dates on it were very early. So it's almost done. I mean, it's got to go to a final proof and art team to pick up those last minute errors. Um, so I need to, I just need to make a plan for the Christmas one. But I'm excited about it, but it's still a couple of months to launch, so it's just plain weird. When you say catch, like catch, like a baseball catch, the Christmas catch? Well, no, it's a double meaning. Well, I'm assuming so, because if it's about a Christmas, there's no Christmas baseball. So is there like a catch? Like is it one of those Hallmark ones where they go to a town and this judge makes them stay and build like a fence or something? You're going to have to read it and find out. Well, now I'm curious what the catch is. Well, something goes wrong. There's a catch. And then one of them might be a catch. Eh? Eh? <laughs> but believe uh, believe me, I'm coming at this from a UK angle. We don't do baseball. <laughs> it ain't nothing to do so with baseball. What is it called? Rounders? Rounders. Ain't nothing to do with rounders or baseball. So, um, but that's exciting that that's going on. Um, but I've also, in the meantime, uh, I'm a week in to two new writing projects. So, I know, two. So I went out for, for lunch with a, a writing friend of mine. And she was saying about, you know, I've heard this before, that you should have one project going and then a little project in the background. So you should write... Um, I'm sure you've probably done this before. So you write like say a thousand words or two thousand words on your main project, and then you write five hundred words on your on your side project. And then by the time you finish the first one, you've got like a head start on the second one. And you do it every day, so you're so you're in in the headspace of both books. Now I've always pushed that away because whenever I've tried to do two things at once, I always get confused and mixed up and muddled. Um, but I'm thinking that maybe if I concentrate on one and not as much on the other, maybe it will work. I don't know. I've got. London is so one of them the main project is London 9 so London Ever After is the is the working title which I think is probably going to be the title but let's see but yeah so that's London Romance final book in the London Romance series da, da, da. but then also I've got this side project as well which I'm not sure what it's going to be a novella or a novel who knows but I just know that I'm wanting to write it so I'm doing it so 
Yeah, so at the moment, you know that, you know when I normally start a novel, I get 10,000 words and then I have no idea what's going on. So we're just approaching, we're just approaching that in the London Romance book nine. <laughs> I, I hit 9,000 9, words in it just before I got on the call to you. And now I'm like, yeah, I should really um, plan the rest of it out then. You haven't corrected it. You're not sitting down and like figuring out what each character hole is, what hole in their heart you have to fill and what's going to happen. You're still just pantsing it till 10K and then you decide to ditch it at 10K and figure out what's going on. Um, yes, that's basically my, that's basically how I work. <laughs> Judge, you know this part. I was just clarifying. I'm judged it at all. I know how this book finishes. I know vaguely vaguely some things about the characters but I don't know what's going to happen at all so I need to figure that out so I've just got to that crunch point so that's exciting I've got new shiny projects and but I mustn't forget the Christmas book because don't let me get to October and then go oh fuck fuck okay are you releasing in October then yeah I think so yeah yeah I'm trying to figure out when is the earliest you can release for a Christmas since you have it already like do you want to get in there before everyone's sick and tired of Christmas? I don't know, because you can release too early, can't you, for Christmas? Well, yeah, because like right now no one's thinking of Christmas because everyone's melting. But do they want to think of Christmas because everyone's melting? Yeah. I don't know. You know, if you go by the Hallmark Christmas Channel, you can start re start releasing in September. But I think September's a little bit <laughs> a little bit much. I've done my earliest release I've done before is the 27th of October. I did that for All I Want for Christmas, and that went well. Um, last, I think the last one I did, I think I've said this before on the podcast, I did the 25th of November, which is too late. So maybe, you know, somewhere, somewhere, you know, mid to late October, I think is the ideal time. I, I was discussing this with a, a friend of mine recently, uh, the same one who was telling me about doing two projects at once. And she said November the 1st. Yes. Definitely before Thanksgiving. I would even suggest maybe a few days before Halloween. Yes, because Halloween's a big thing. So there you go. So I say mid to late October. Is, is ideal or the first week in November I think that's okay too uh, but yeah don't do 25th of November like I did which is probably around Thanksgiving <laughs> but you know that that doesn't come into my head because I don't have Thanksgiving and the other big news is that I commissioned you know that I had two audiobooks that I hadn't done anything about last time we spoke well doing our six month roundup gave me a kick up the arse and I've commissioned both of them and one of them is done so my Christmas in mistletoe I went to um, the lovely Claire Story, who I've worked with before in a couple of audiobooks. So she's done Christmas and Mistletoe. She had a three-week gap in her schedule, so it was perfect. She got it done. And TB, it's currently with my audio proofer. I've hired someone to audio proof it. Da, da, da. Taking the things off my schedule that I didn't like doing. Yeah, that is something I've been doing more on my end with audio because I hate the proofing stage and it has absolutely nothing to do, to do with the narrators they're all lovely i would love to listen to their books when it's not mine but when it's your own book it's just cringeworthy but um yeah so but claire's story got a, an entire book done when i was in maine pretty much yeah, it took a three uh two or three weeks so yeah wow. and it was really lucky because she just finished a load of audiobooks and then she was three weeks and then she was going into a into a play I remember that last time I had a she had she said I can do it but I, I'll, I can do it in a month because I'm in a play so she's a proper actor and everything which never fails to impress me um so she's got that and then I've got a new narrator for it started with a kiss and she's doing that in September 
So my supply issues work themselves out, so I'm pleased that I've got these two audiobooks on the go. In fun news, I went to UK Black Pride on, on Sunday in London, which was uh, a lot of fun, if very dusty. We've also had very, very hot temperatures in the UK. So it's in this. it was in the Stratford Olympic Park, and you know there was 25,000 people showed up, so it was pretty big. Uh, but the grass is just dust. So I came home so dirty because I'm sitting on basically dust. <laughs> so that was interesting, but it was it was a fun day and it's kind of like one of those, it's gotten a lot bigger and it's at a much bigger venue now, but it's a little bit, still a little bit more sort of grassroots pridey rather than the main pride parade in London, which is very commercial these days. So it was a, it was a bit more chilled and more relaxed. So I, I liked the vibe there. Um, we also saw Christina Aguilera in concert, which, which she was absolutely awesome, and we had such great seats, we were almost on stage with her. So um, she waved at us, I'm sure, at one point. I went to see Spurs' her first home game of the season, and we won 4 1, so that was great. And one thing that happened since we last spoke was that England women won the European Football Championships, uh, which I'm going to talk about a little bit later. But it's been a stellar few weeks. I heard about it. So that's that. Um, have you got any comments, TV? I do. Um, up first, we have a comment from Amina who said, Hi, I recently came across a new social platform called Substack and wondered if you know of it, and if you do, what do you think of it? It's positioned as the game changer in the world of online publishing. And also, uh, Amina wants to know if we've considered putting our podcast behind a paywall or making it available to members earlier or like behind the scenes, stuff like that. So first up, I guess, is the Substack question. Are you a Substack curious, I guess? Substack curious, is that is that the way to put it? You can put it however you want, but um, I've heard the two words. Is it one word or two words? I've heard them, I've heard them. Uh -huh. I have no idea what it is. I'm assuming it's some kind of blogging platform. Yeah, like a blogging platform or like a newsletter. Like I've subscribed to a few um, people who have a Substack newsletter that I get in my inbox, like depending on their frequency. Like you can get like a free tier or you can pay for it and such. And um, they've been poaching some of the top talent at newspapers and being like, hey, don't write your column for the New York Times, write it for Substack and get paid more and stuff like that. So it's revolutionizing the um, media world in the in the journalism front. I'm sure it's revelaging more, but that's the area I know more about because I've always liked uh, media. Um, I haven't delved into Substack on my own. I'm only a subscriber to certain newsletters. So I haven't looked into how it would work for authors. I haven't done that yet. So um, maybe we should do a little research on how authors can use Substack. And as for the paywall for the podcast, um, I haven't looked into that either. <laughs> I don't think we're planning on putting our podcast behind a paywall is the answer because we want everybody we want as many people as we can to be able to access it and listen to it and um, you don't want to listen to our behind the scenes banter you don't believe me we well, like... I talk about my cat a lot unless yeah. you want to learn about my cat and I was going to say like yeah like... We, we, we lay it all out we leave it we leave it all on the podcast we, we save the good stuff for you guys we <laughs> yeah. don't hide the gems alright so do you have any comments before I move on to bias coffee I do I've got one from Jenny she lives in Canada land and she wrote and just said she loves our books and the podcast so keep it up thanks Jenny and maybe Jenny is my connection for when I have to seek asylum in Canada land 
Maybe. It is. Yes. Um, buy us a coffee. We got two two people buying us a coffee. First up, we had Mike, who said, stay cool and take care of your digits. They're useful for writing, so Mike will be relieved to know I have feeling back in my digits. So thank you very uh, much, Mike, for the coffee and encouragement. And also, Jana um, bought us coffee, says, thank you so much for always providing good entertainment with the podcast and your books during these crazy times. And we'd like to thank both of them for sticking with us during these crazy times. Indeed, indeed. We always love coffee. So thank you, Jenna and Mike. And um, thank you, TB's Digits. I love it when people call fingers digits. It's it's very, um, it amuses me. I don't know why. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get on to the topic at hand now. TB doesn't know what this is. So um, here is my question. I wrote a blog about this, so I thought I'd ask you. So my question is, what or who has inspired you the most this year and why? Hold on a second. Can you hear the church bells? No. Is it the church bells? Well, we have like 13 more tolls. Oh, okay. I did just hear that one. <laughs> well, you can, you can have a think about it. Um, I'm asking this question because the England women winning the European the Eurovision football contest, no singing happened, no penalties either, which was thankful, um, was absolutely incredible to be there and inspirational to be there, not just in a footballing sense, but in a life sense and in what women have achieved in such a short amount of time that the male footballers have still to achieve, yet they banned us for 50 years, the fucking FA, boo hiss, um, but we came back and uh, we've only been going professionally for four years uh, in the Women's Super League in the UK and um, we've already won the European Football Championships which is astounding, it really is astounding you know. and we beat Germany who've won it like a gazillion times and always win it when they're in the final, they've never lost a final so I just found it inspirational on so many levels so I can talk about a little bit more about that but um, do you want me to do that or do you, while you have a think or would you like to answer? So I'm trying to think of what or who has inspired me the most this year. What if I said it's not like someone famous or it's probably not even someone I know. During these crazy times, as um, Jana put it, what I am inspired the most by this year or since 2020 are all the people who are still being creative. All the people, all the writers who are still getting works out, all the artists who are still creating um, pieces of art, because these are times that are hard. I know I've been joking a lot about leaving the main and leaving the country and everything, but there's a lot going on in not just the US, throughout the world. And it's, you know, you have COVID, the death rate has been very high, and there's been a lot of political violence, there's been a lot of threats. And all the people who are still telling their stories like we are with writing or still creating art are still trying to find that sliver of goodness in life, they're the ones who are inspiring me because it can, you can easily get sucked into the darkness during these times and just let it wash over you and not see that there's still a lot of good in life. So that's what is inspiring me. Good. Yes. I mean, obviously, there is still a lot of light in the world, and especially for people who write romance. Yay for the romance writers. <laughs> but yes, 
there would be like I mean, we all know that usually during the normal times, like I, I like to um, study my my historical background is in the very disturbing times of life. I, I studied the Nazis and everything. But I have to say over the past two years, my viewing and reading has swung so hard to this, like give me the happy, happy joy joy. I would be losing my mind if I wasn't reading more romance or watching more rom-coms or delving into the lightness because there's so much darkness at the moment. So I appreciate all the people who haven't given up on that. Yeah, I, I will say a little bit more about the the England women's uh, team. Um, as I said, we beat eight-time winners Germany take the crown, and my wife and I were there, and it was it was one of the best days of my life. I'm not understating it. I haven't st- I didn't stop smiling for about two weeks afterwards because I'm a lifelong football fan, um, Spurs fan. But when I was little, I played with the boys on the school field, and my friend Sam and I were the first girls to play for the school team proper. But when I left primary school, I was told. Football is not for girls. It was banned in um, in our schools. You couldn't play after the age of 11. That was it. Wait, I'm sorry. Are you telling me that in the United Kingdom, when you were a kid, you couldn't play uh, football at school as yeah. a girl? Yes. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not kidding you. So the FA banned women completely from playing football in any at any level in any competition from about 1927 I think until the early 70s so so the first England team was in the early to mid 70s uh, female team but they didn't give them any resources and they didn't and you know these these people weren't professional um, but nevertheless that was the first time we ever had a women's team but I mean in the modern era basically what happened was in the in the old in ye olden times, in the I don't know exactly the timings of it, but historically, I'm I know in the in the I don't know if it's turn of the century or the or the 1910s and 1920s, women's team were really really popular, um, league and national teams. We would they would pull in tens of thousands of spectators, and the FA got panicky because they they would start to pull in more than the men, so they banned it. So they banned women playing football. But that ban was lit. says so much. Yes. This says so much. It's kind of like the stuff we're dealing with in the U.S. right now. All the bans against women. Exactly. Um, exactly. It's it. Oh. It goes around, doesn't it? it? Goes around, and people don't learn. But anyway, then they lifted the ban. But still, when I was a kid growing up in the eighties, we weren't allowed to play football if once you got past eleven or twelve in secondary school, basically or high school, as you would say. You weren't allowed to play it. So we, you know, I still played it on a, on a field with some friends, but you weren't, you couldn't play it in school. And so um, I did play for my university football team. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna um, say that I could have been a professional footballer. I categorically couldn't have. I was enthusiastic, but I wasn't that fucking good. But I loved playing the game and I played it from a young age. But seeing all these women in Wembley, 90,000 people, lift a major European trophy. It was just pure unfiltered joy and it really made me think, like they, as all the commentators said, these women succeeded in spite of the system, not because of it. And still today, those women succeeded in spite of the system because yes, they've had a professional league for the last four years, but when they were growing up, they could they could then play it in school, but not all schools offer it. Still only 50% of the schools offer football to girls aged 12 and up. So it really is still stacked against you. Um, it's changing slowly, but hopefully this will be the catalyst to to change 
just to say that every girl has the opportunity to play football but it just reminded me you know to don't settle and to just I was really inspired by it don't settle go after the things you want and keep going no matter what because every one of those women who played in that final will have had to keep going and do part-time jobs and pay to play and all that whereas men never have to do this yeah that they got the that they won the prize and the men have never won a fucking thing in their lives since 1966 I was really pleased <laughs> well that is I'm still amazed because I I stopped playing soccer when I was in high school but it was an option for me I could have played on the team that is shocking and sickening to hear especially in England where soccer is so huge well yes yeah, football is so huge it's the home of football yeah and you know it's where the game was invented yeah they didn't want they were too scared of the women being good uh, at being better than the men and it's not it was never a case of that it's a case of we could both be together. It's a bit like when people say ebook is going to overtake print books and, and wipe them out. No, they coexist together. And uh, yeah, so uh, you know, I'm sure in, a, in about 50 years time, there'll be there'll be another ban because nobody ever learns. And uh, the more things change, the more things stay the same. So but going back to your point, um, in these dark times, just keep going. Because uh, if you're going through hell, keep going, because then the quicker you'll get out the other side. Oh, it's like I'm it's like I'm spouting um posters from um from some nineteen eighties ad campaign. But it's true. <laughs> it is true. And it's interesting that we went very drastic routes on this one. Like you went sports and I went like, you know, people who are still creating art, but we still chose the fighters. Yes. I wonder what that says about us. We chose the fighters and we chose well, I would say probably mainly the female fighters because uh, you know, most authors, I think, are women. Well, most readers are women. I don't know if most authors are women, but it seems that way whenever I, well, definitely most romance authors are women. Whenever I go to conferences, yeah. romance conferences, not just LGBT conferences, but romance conferences, it's pretty much 99% women. Go the women, the footballers and the romance writers. Yes, and stop trying to hold back the women because it's not going to turn out well because we're starting to get very, very pissed yes but that is a different topic yes tb's bunching her hand into a fist now and she's going to punch it through the screen so we better wrap up before she gets angry um, are, you, are you getting tired of all the things that are being put in place to hold women back because men are just so scared but you yes. can cut that out no well understandable in america at the moment so let us know um, what inspired you this past year. I put this uh, question to my newsletter and uh, I got a load of answers. It really seemed to touch a, touch a nerve. I thought it was an interesting question to bring up. So what's inspired you this year and why? Ways to get in touch on the website www.lesbianswhowrite.com Email us lesbianswhowrite at gmail.com Facebook us, Twitter us at lesbianswhowrite and Instagram me at clairefic. And join us next time when it's TB's turn to pose the surprise question, which she says she's already got in mind. I do, and I'm not gonna spill until we're live on air. Okay. So until then, um, stay safe, keep writing. Hi everybody. Thanks for listening to Lesbians Who Write. 
Follow us on Twitter at Les Who Write, or show us some love on our website by leaving us a comment or buying us a coffee. And sign up to our newsletter while you're there to never miss another episode. Head over to lesbianswhowrite.com. Also, if you could take a moment to leave us a review wherever you listen to this podcast, it would help more listeners to discover us. Thanks so much and see you next time.